0: what's up everyone it's Michael Scotto Hoopshype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoopshype podcast after winning the NBA Finals the Golden State Warriors entered the new season with several question marks including whether Jordan Poole will agree to a contract extension how the team will respond to the Draymond Green incident and what's next for the future of Andrew Wiggins in a contract season with that in mind I'm joined by one of the best beat writers in the business Golden State Warriors beat writer Anthony Slater of The Athletic, one of my former colleagues at the publication, and he's going to join me to discuss the latest updates on those topics and more. Anthony, how's the road treating you so far?
1: You know, a little bit bumpier than normal preseasons, right? Especially for a defending champ. This is supposed to be like a celebratory time, but uh, it it, it turned a little rocky in the (laughs) preseason.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of ironic. You talk about Rocky, Draymond Green kind of looked like Rocky Balboa out there throwing that right hook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, Anthony, you know, you were there too when Draymond and, and Kevin Durant had their own situation. Um, obviously, this is a different situation that there was a, a physical element to this with the punch. Yeah. Um, What I'm curious, Anthony, is how is this situation between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole viewed differently within the organization than the Kevin Durant and Draymond Green situation? Because here he doesn't get suspended.
1: Yeah, um, I think that uh, they actually viewed it, it. It might surprise you to hear this, but they actually viewed this one worse. Um, than the Durant one because of, you know, you mentioned the, the physical nature of it. But um, the timing of it has made it so it feels like it's been a lesser punishment because because Draymond, they were playing a back-to-back. You know, they were playing in L.A. You know, when the Durant situation happened and then the next night at home uh, against the Hawks, and they suspended Draymond for a game, partly because that was literally the next day, and they were still trying to sort through the aftermath. The, the timing of this in the preseason allowed them to basically – tell Draymond Green to stay away from the team for a week. He actually technically missed two games um, and and allowed them to sort through it with much more time and space. And then, you know, he, as I'm talking to you, he's, he's getting reintegrated back into practice today. Um, So there's actually further space away. And in a sense, I mean, even if it isn't, hasn't been officially called a suspension, he kind of was suspended for a week, missed two preseason games. Um, But also if you really want to compare and contrast the situations, it's just it, it's at a different arc of their uh, franchise where I think Draymond Green's future more than anything else with the organization has been thrown into much deeper question with with obviously his contract situation coming up. And um, I think even though, you know, sure, he may not have lost the game check or he may not have lost a regular season game. I think he has put his future with the Warriors much more in peril than he ever did with the Durant situation.
0: You know, Anthony, you bring me kind of to my next point. When you talk about Draymond's future long term with the Warriors, there's obviously been some rumors circulating out there about Draymond and the Los Angeles Lakers, um, obviously he has a relationship with LeBron James. Uh, some in the Warriors organization I've spoken to aren't concerned about it. Uh, they are not, just making sure that there was no uh, miscommunication there. Uh, they aren't concerned about it. Uh, There's a belief from some around the league it could be a negotiating tactic to get more money in extension talks with the Warriors. And, you know, maybe LeBron is trying to weaken uh, the competition in the West. The Lakers have always been connected to star players like Draymond Green and and Kyrie Irving as well, looking ahead to next summer's offseason. With that in mind, Anthony, like what is your stance on these Draymond Green to the Lakers rumors do you believe there is any truth to the Draymond Green to the Lakers rumors or speculation however you want to phrase it
1: well he has a player option for the following season after this i believe it's around 27 million um and you know what's Draymond Green's market going to be that's the big question he's going to be 33 entering uh you know free agency and obviously last year he had a pretty scary injury with with you know a uh, basically, a nerve from his spine that was, you know, creating issues in his calf made him miss half the season. Uh, I I don't know what and, and and the Warriors I think are are kind of in wait and see mode of uh, if he did test the market, what kind of deal would he get? It would it be better than anything either the Warriors can offer or that player option that's available to him to come back? Also, the Warriors as as you know, we've written plenty about have these massive tax. Issues coming up where the amount of tax money, if they paid everybody, and I'm including a you know a Wiggins extension, a pool extension, which I do expect at some point soon, and if Draymond you know stayed on on his uh, you know I guess hefty salary, we're talking about a tax bill that goes in like past 500 million for a an organization that is pretty outwardly said they don't even want to go past 400 million. They've already set NBA records in the 300 you know 70 380 million range. So one of these contracts, you think you know, has to get off the books. You know, I think maybe if you took me back a year, I thought it might be an Andrew Wiggins, Um, but he played himself, I think, you know, into a deeper plans of their future. So especially with what went on this week, you start to look at, at, at kind of the future of Draymond Green and then, you know, what options he feels like he might have outside of the Warriors. You mentioned one of them, I get directly to the Lakers one. I mean, he has a, Deep history now with Clutch. I mean, that's just, you know, Rich Paul is his agent at this point. Um, so that that is, and, and the Lakers should be able to, with Westbrook coming off the books, create a, enough cap room to at least give him a reasonable deal that he would like. So sure, that they have to be considered a threat in this situation. But from a basketball fit, and Draymond is a basketball junkie, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Draymond Green, like the spacing issues. Like, I, to me, like a Kyrie Irving type, a scoring guard type who can really shoot it and fill it up makes more basketball sense. But if Draymond's looking for a way to a next big contract and he does not feel like it's coming from the Warriors, I'm not saying that's the case at this point, but obviously, I think both sides are looking around right now because of everything that's going on. Um, if the Lakers are the only, you know, option, then maybe that is something they explore. But I think we're a far away uh, away from that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you always see interesting names. I think some people would like also speculate, Oh, I wonder if like, uh, you know, because he went to Michigan state would Detroit, have any interest as they're trying to hasten the uh, rebuilding curve there. But, this is all like speculative stuff for down the line to me. I agree with you as far as the Kyrie Irving assessment, that he'd be a better fit theoretically for the Lakers. Um, And when it comes to Draymond green and, you know, his option for next season, uh, my thought process is, uh, I would think he could get more than that, maybe on a shorter deal though, but this is his last chance to get a really big payday, as you mentioned, given his age. Um, and, And so to me, Draymond's been an integral part of that core that's gotten them these four titles. So where is the line in the sand there? Can they maybe get to uh, a larger extension somewhat like James Harden did with the Sixers and then come back to it? You know, time will tell there. Um, Last thing I want to ask you about the uh, incident was a little bit of a two parter. One, were there people in the organization that wanted to suspend Draymond? And two, I don't think this gets talked about enough. How does Jordan Poole feel about this incident? We've heard nothing.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, one by one there. Uh, I mean, suspension was was bandied around plenty. Day of, in, in the aftermath, when the video came out, and there was more people in the organization who hadn't even actually seen the punch yet, who saw it, were like, oh, this might have been, you know, uh, more violent than, than we even imagined. Um, so it was discussed. And again, I mean, in some people's opinion in the organization, like he kind of wants You know, he missed two games. He missed a week of camp. Um, but uh, they've really allowed the players to be at the forefront of punishment and reintegration of Draymond and, and the conversations have been very, Steph Curry's been very involved, Kevon Looney's been very involved Andre Wadala, this is basically his role on the team at this point uh, is to solve situations like this you know, uh, so they, they're they of the belief that it's better for the team, the players are of the belief to, to bring Draymond back in now you know, he's still going to as they continue to say, earn back trust which in some ways is is harsher than a, a one game suspension, three game, five game, whatever, where Draymond can come back and be like, look, I, you know, I basically served the time so we can stop talking about the crime. I think the player's belief is bring him back in, make him have to live with this every day and try to earn back our trust. Like, like the punishment is much longer than just like, hey you know, don't play against the Lakers on opening night. Uh, As far as Jordan Poole's thoughts on the situation, he, I think purposely has, has not spoken to us um, because this, the timing of this is very interesting where he's deep in, you know, rookie extension, you know, contract negotiations right now. And in some ways it's, you know, weirdly gave him some leverage within those negotiations, you know, how exactly he handled it handles this, you know, crisis, um, you know, dictates how they can move forward. Now, one thing Steve Kerr has told us is that Draymond and Jordan Poole you know, sat together, had a, a heart-to-heart, deeper conversation about this. And Jordan Poole has assured the organization that he's willing to welcome Draymond back in the locker room, play with him, uh, you know, be on the same floors and be in the same practices as him. Um, now, I, I'm not sure their relationship is or will ever be the same as it was, which was kind of mentor-mentee. But at least at this point, we've been told that Jordan has okayed the fact that Draymond is coming back.
0: You know, you touched on Steph Curry and, and, and guys like Andre Iguodala, Kavan Looney. Uh, anything besides just talking to them that they've done behind the scenes to heal the situation that you know of?
1: I mean, I think all you could do is talking. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny. I, Steve Kerr mentioned the Jordan poole Draymond Green conversation that happened that had to happen. It did happen to, to allow them to bring Draymond back. And I was like, you know, that, that had to have been the biggest conversation in the last several days. And he's like, "Uh, there's been a lot of big ones. And I just, I mean, I know talking sounds cheap in the, in this type of scenario, but I mean, you know, like families are involved. I mean, Draymond Green has mentioned it like Jordan Poole's, you know, parents saw this video and uh, we're not very pleased with, with the visuals and, uh, you know, come Looney, for example, is from Milwaukee. Jordan Poole's from Milwaukee. I, you know, I think there's, had to have been some mending that that, uh, you know, Looney like the outreach beyond the organization Two different family members. And um, it's uh, bringing people together has mattered. And, you know, I just think I you know what else I think has been big media messaging from Steph Curry. He came out very early, shot down the rumor that uh, or the report that Jordan Poole had been. Part of the reason this happened is because Jordan Poole had been, like, acting different because he's about to get a big payday. And, and he came out pretty harshly and was like, this Draymond is in the wrong. That, you know, there was nothing that warranted what happened. Kavon Looney, who's not that vocal in situations like this with the media, came out the other day and said, like, look, Draymond broke our trust. He needs to earn that back. And, I mean, that may sound small, but I think for a guy like Jordan Poole, who understands the dynamics of an organization, what Draymond means to a Steph Curry, means to the Warriors you know in history for them to back Jordan so publicly and privately I think has mattered a lot
0: I think it should and yeah you touch on a guy like Kavon Looney when he doesn't you know always speak when he does you listen kind of reminds me of a guy like an Ed Davis he was he was like that there are certain guys in this league that they don't need to be a loud, demonstrative person to be a leader Kavon Looney has been a a rock for the Warriors for many years. And I, I can see how his voice does matter when, when it's spoken. Um, you touched on a little bit about Jordan Poole and how this could potentially have some leverage in, in contract extension negotiations, which need to be wrapped up here in the next couple of days before the season starts. Um, you know, I, both sides are continuing dialogue regarding the extension. Um, as far as you know, you and I both know, it seems like they're pretty deep in it as you touched on. Um, my sense is certainly there seems to be a willingness to get it done on on both sides. Um, I think the question I would pose to you here, Anthony, is given the contract extensions that have already been signed by RJ Barrett and Tyler Hero, where does Jordan Poole fall on that spectrum. What what is Golden State looking to give him and what is Jordan Poole seeking?
1: Yeah, the Tyler Hero one was the big one. Um because that Jordan Poole and Tyler Hero in a lot of ways are comparable. Like, you know, we can just look at their games. They have very comparable games, right? They, they both play on contenders. They're kind of six men who want to be starters. They're efficient scorers. They can shoot from deep. They're really skilled. They look like, you know, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, they have a lot of upside. They've already proven a lot. Both have had big playoff moments, hero in the bubble pool last year had some huge playoff games um and they're both from milwaukee they grew up like you know basically their high schools are 30 minutes apart they're in the same draft class um pool in a lot of ways you know pins himself up against hero for a lot of these reasons so the fact that you know as the warriors were getting deeper into negotiations with pool suddenly the miami heat who are considered you know a, a, a top organization that that the warriors very much respect the heat decided to put you know uh Four years, one hundred twenty million. We'll call it. I know there's a bunch of unlikely extent, uh, incentives, but we'll say four for one hundred twenty. Uh, that they, they decided to to give that to Hero. I think that that set a baseline for Jordan Poole and Jordan Pool's uh, representatives. That like you know you got to at least meet that. Then the Draymond thing happens, which has only complicated the matter in a lot of ways. Um, but I do think that's the realm we're talking about. I think the Anthony Simons, R.J. Barrett comparisons were kind of thrown out the window when Hero popped at that number. So um, I, you know, I think there's going to be some hagglings around that area. But I do think um, baseline level we're talking around like the the, the four for one twenty range. if this is actually going to get done.
0: With with that in mind, I think then you're looking at. If that's the baseline, then can can Jordan Poole get closer to a max contract on in, in free agency to get an offer sheet if he didn't do an extension? I don't know about that. I think th- there's certainly a lot more teams that have cap space this summer projected than last summer, which would help. But always a dicey situation trying to get that. Um, just ask DeAndre Ayton at that. Um, you got I re- it though, right? Well, he he got it from the
1: Pacers. No, he he did.
0: I I just with that said, though, I don't know if I don't know how much more Jordan Poole can get over that, you know, 30 million annually. I agree with you. I thought he was going to ask for more than Simons and Barrett got from a logistical perspective. And then once Tyler Hero came out. Yeah, I think the question you've got to ask yourself and other executives around the league do is what does a guy like jordan Poole look like and also draymond green by the way what do those guys look like outside of the warriors system and the core of the warriors because you're gonna then pay a guy potentially 30 million dollars even if it's both of them draymond and jordan Poole. you've got to be a star on a team and there's a difference between starring in your role versus being an all-star player on a nightly basis um With that in mind, Anthony, I I agree with you that the Tyler hero extension is kind of the baseline there. So we've got a couple of days for this, these negotiations here, your gut as to whether this extension gets done is yes or no. And why? Yeah,
1: I do think it gets done. Um, Also, I mean, in, in, you know, we could kind of go back into some of the, the points you were talking about. I, I do think there's dangers out there for the Warriors that he could get a max offer sheet, you know, which it starts about like thirty three point five million or so. But like the Orlando Magic, for example, um, you know, they kind of need a lead guard. They should have a bunch of cap room. Um, if they believe they could realistically pry Jordan Poole away, wouldn't you want to pair him as like a pick and roll partner with like Apollo Bancaro? I think the Spurs are another, you know, team who's completely rebuilding. Where Poole is so appealing compared to a Draymond Green, for example, or some of the other, you know, Kyrie, some of the other potential free agents out there is young team with cap space that wants to build Jordan Poole fits an age curve. Uh, so, you know, that, I, I guess that's the appeal on that side. Maybe he would get it. Maybe he wouldn't from the warrior side. And why I think partly they get this done is I just don't think they want this looming over Jordan Poole's head all season, especially after what just happened. This it was probably you know, among the many reasons that the Draymond Green situation was unsettling for the Warriors, I think it just like provided more urgency in the Jordan Poole contract talks because, uh, you know, you mentioned Aiton. Well, part of the reason like you feel like Phoenix's season might have been derailed last year was because of Aiton's unsettled situation and maybe some sour feelings towards the organization for basically coming out and saying we don't think you're worth what you believe you're worth. So, um, as the Warriors try to settle the waters and go chase a title where, you know, you, we would still consider them among like the top five, most likely title winners this year. Uh I just think if you're just fighting over a little bit about a money at the end, it's better. In my opinion, for the Warriors to get it done, it calms. I,
0: I think you're being a little generous calling them top five. I mean, to me, I I think they are way higher than that. Given everything that's happened in the East with the, uh, with the Boston Celtics, with the Brooklyn Nets uncertainty. Um, Philadelphia has upgraded their bench, but you never know what the hell to Harden and Embiid. I, to me, the Warriors are, are the front runner at this point, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And when I look at Phoenix, too, you know, Aiton got paid, but it wasn't the way like he wanted to. And, you know, you can say that things are kumbaya and fine and dandy. Um, I raise an eyebrow on that. Personally, I think
1: everybody does. Right. I mean, they haven't even hit it. Well, you you know, Aiton's coming out saying he hasn't even talked to Monty Williams and, you know, how the playoffs ended last year. So um, I I, look, I mean, it's just uh, like you said, just a handshake deal. Where at the end of the you know, this week where both sides feel very good about what had happened. I think we'll we'll make for a much easier at least first couple months of Jordan Poole, especially as you're reintegrating Draymond back into it than if negotiations head south in the next few days and both sides just there's an impasse there that they can't get over. And then what are we writing about all season? What are we writing about when Jordan Poole has a four game slump? You know, we're writing about, you know, and asking in press conferences, like, you know, is it, are you feeling the pressure of, of, you know, your upcoming free agency? You know, how do you feel about the organization not paying you blah, blah, blah. So uh, I'm not saying that you, you have to pay way more, just because you don't want that storyline in your locker room, but it's certainly got to be a factor.
0: And, and you also touched on earlier about, you thought maybe when you were trying to figure out who was going to get a contract and who wasn't before last year, the regular season and the playoffs, you thought maybe Andrew Wiggins might be the guy that was the odd man out. Uh, I'm not sure now Wiggins could do more to improve his value after coming off an all-star season and lockdown defense in the playoffs. He was a big reason why they won the NBA Finals. What is the likelihood, in your opinion, that Andrew Wiggins does an extension with the Golden State Warriors um, as well?
1: I don't think it's as likely as Poole. And I mean, they've even, in just their public messaging, made it clear top priority has been pool. Um, I mean, I think that's sat over the Draymond green, uh, situation too, because Draymond green comes out on media day and says, I don't think I'm getting an extension done. Despite the fact that we've known he's, he's wanted one. Um, and meanwhile, Bob Myers is saying we're meeting with pools reps next week. Uh, so I, Wiggins is kind of in the middle of that. I, I do think if Wiggins was willing to take what would be considered a team-friendly extension, which would probably even be a I, – I, I'm not looking at the exact number in front of me, but he's sitting somewhere around like 30, 31, 32 this season on the last year of his deal. I think if he was willing to take a slight pay cut, go into the 20s, um, then – I think the Warriors would talk because you got to remember every dollar to them is like nine extra dollars. Every million is like eight nine million, considering how deep in the repeater tax they are. Uh, so everything they can save is very important. But at the same time, because of how well Wiggins played on a big stage, where he proved he can be such a you know helpful winning component on both ends of the floor. He's got to think his value is is near his max if, if he heads if he was heading into the market now now it's risky if you play the season if you have a disappointing season maybe you end up losing money uh, so his I don't have as good a feel on his situation but I but I would say I just don't think it's as likely something gets done uh, with the Warriors also because the Warriors have Jonathan Kaminga you know coming up they have Moses Moody coming up they have younger wings like you know guards that they would they wouldn't mind getting a year more of data to see what they're becoming before they decide how much to lock into Andrew Wiggins long-term.
0: And you talk about all these young guys they have coming up. I think the biggest guy that's always been talked about for years is James Weissman. And one general manager told who that James Weissman is his top breakout candidate for the upcoming season. Uh, that GM told me we just saw the best of him in Japan. They'll feature him in ways that'll make his life easy. Uh, Anthony, you're around the team every day. Do you think that James Weissman is primed for a breakout season and to start fulfilling those expectations um, as a high lottery pick?
1: He's still good, you know. He, you know, he, you mentioned the GM noting the Japan game. His first Japan game was like I think it was like twenty and ten. Um, very simplified role, which I, I do think will really help him this year as a rookie. It was they were asking him to do a lot of the. the you know, Andrew Bogut type stuff, dribble handoffs and stuff. He just wasn't advanced and ready yet, understandably, for so by the end of his rookie year, right before he got injured, um, he was doing a lot more pick and roll. And they're clearly going to do that more with him this year in a second unit that's going to include pool. It's going to include Dante DiVincenzo, guys that can get him the ball better than Kelly Ubre, Kent Bays, more of the guys he played with alongside. His rookie year, so I do think environment will be better for him. He also looks just—he looks like the game slowed down a bit. He made a few nice passes in the third preseason game um the other day, where uh, you know he's hitting a guy off some split action. He had a nice bounce pass to Michael Green, who was cutting for a dunk, and it's like you he just never saw those passes or was even patient enough to allow the action to move around him, to, to, to make those passes as a rookie. So that just tells me the brain is in a better spot. Like, yes, he's been away and we haven't seen him for a year and a half, but he has spent that year and a half watching come Looney being deep part of, uh, you know, playoff scouting meetings and, and everything. So I, you know, I I don't know. I'm not about to say he's going to like win most improved player of the year or be, you know, the league's best breakout candidate. But I do think in the simplified role, I mentioned backing up Looney, um, he, you know, on a team that, you know, th- they have prioritized his development. They've hired uh, Dihan Milojevic, who is, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic's coach from back in uh, Serbia for, for such a long time. Um, and he just works daily with him. I do think you're going to see a better version of James Wiseman than maybe a lot of people think, because in some ways, while he's been away, people have forgotten about. Him.
0: I would agree with that assessment. Um, and it's talking with some people in the organization uh, some believe Patrick Baldwin Jr. can can maybe carve out some rotation minutes there given the way he can spread the floor and shoot the ball. Um, you touched a little bit on Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, how do you see these young guys fitting into the rotation, specifically referring to Patrick Baldwin Jr., Moses Moody, and Jonathan Kaminga? What can we expect from them this season? I
1: think Moody steps into an immediate rotation spot. He's been first off the bench in the pre- preseason games um, he is so like fit for a three and D role even early in his career I mean you saw him in the West Finals Gary Payton the second goes down with an injury uh, in the Memphis series well in the Dallas series he, he's playing over Damian Lee and he wins a rotation spot in the conference finals as a rookie um, and he's entering this season I think basically locked up you know a, a, a pretty hefty you know near 20 minute per night uh, slot Kamingas is a little bit More up in the air because his fit is a little bit tougher. He can do some stuff defensively that they really like, particularly in switching environments. They think long term he can, like, kind of an elite individual wing defender. But he also, you know, he has goals of being, you know, a high usage small forward who takes a bunch of threes and, you know, handles the ball. And the Warriors don't really need that on this team, especially in their Steph Curry ecosystem. So a lot of what he does best offensively is kind of James Wiseman's role. So it's tough to fit Kaminga and Wiseman together uh, in, in similar lineups, which I think makes his uh, minute allotment a little bit trickier for Steve Kerr. He's still going to play plenty. It's just it's just tougher than Mo- Moody fits into almost any lineup you put him out there with, uh, as far as Baldwin goes, I think he's going to play a lot in Santa Cruz. Uh, you know, they, he did, he's hit, I think four or five threes during one of the Tokyo games. He does look smooth. He's even kind of as a, as a tall six foot 10 shooter reminded me a little bit of, uh, Michael Porter jr. Just the way he looks and how smooth the, uh, I guess the, the, the shot, uh, form looks like right now, but, body still a you know kind of far away he spent the summer rehabbing a bad ankle that that uh really impacted his college uh situation where i think they really want to play it slow with him so i think expect to see him a lot in santa cruz and then kind of get cameos as a rookie and but if it goes all all well they do like his long term outlook
0: last one for me anthony i mean you know seth curry's got a nice long term contract where he's on pace to finish out his career as a as a golden state warrior curious your take on the future of clay thompson uh given the fact that he's got two years left on his deal um and he just came back and, and and we saw flashes of the old clay thompson what do you think his long-term future is with the golden state warriors at this point
1: yeah it's interesting he's actually extension eligible right now too he's the fourth of these four really big pillars uh that could have come calling for a contract and he just like that hasn't really happened you know there's been no buzz about that. You know, he's on a big, big deal. I mean, well, he's around 41 this year. Yeah, I think, what, like 43, 44 in the last year of his deal, which will be the following season. Um, he's in a wait-and-see mode. I think he wants to play himself into, you know, another big deal, obviously. And, and, and there are people around that believe, you know, training staff has told them, like, year two, typically off an Achilles, off at ACL, and he's kind of off both at this point. Uh, year two is typically the better season than year one. Uh, he had he had a good finals. You know, he actually defended better than he had during the entire playoffs during the finals. He will tell you more than anyone. Hey, I was second in the playoffs and made threes. So the shot is still there. There's not as much burst, uh, you know, on his side to side offensive moves or, can't defend the John Moran. of the world nearly like he used to when he was 27, 28, just because the lateral quickness has been sapped by the injuries. Um, but I still think he's a really good player that, uh, is a, is a local legend. That's the other thing. I mean, like this, this fan base and it is a loud active fan base does not want to see Clay Thompson ever wearing another Jersey. I don't know how much that'll play in the negotiations. Um, But they they're so far away from him being a free agent. And I know it's it's only two seasons away, but because there's so many big decisions that have to happen beforehand with Poole, with Wiggins, with Draymond, I think they're in wait and see mode, especially because they're like, what will Clay Thompson look like two years from now? I don't think anybody knows. And that's why this season's so big. He wants to prove he's somewhere near where he used to be.
0: With that in mind, Anthony, I'd be surprised if they got an extension done at this point. I don't think it's a pressing matter right now. And to your point. Both sides, Clay's going to want to play better, and the Warriors are going to want to see uh, more from him before doling big bucks out his way. Um, I appreciate you joining me, brother. Always insightful, and I'm looking forward to your coverage of the regular season. You know, for crying out loud, you've already had a lot to cover now. Wait till the games actually start.
1: (laughs) I know. I know. Never dole around here.
0: No, for sure. But, uh, folks, that's why you got to keep up with Anthony's work at The Athletic. Um, I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members like Anthony Slater, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Anthony, too. He's at Anthony V. Slater. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.